0: and I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Very excited for today's legacy episode. I will get into with you in just a moment. But before we do, just one quick favor to ask. If this show has brought you any value, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And leave a review. And here's why. Because when you do, you help other people find the podcast, and thus, you are helping create change in the world. As you know, at Think Unbroken, we're always talking about changing generational trauma, ending it, giving people the tools that they need to get unstuck, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately be unbroken. And every single one of you who leaves a review, you're playing a major role So please take 20 seconds, pop onto iTunes or Spotify, drop that review, help us out, let other people find this information. I promise it's going to help change lives. Now, today's episode I'm very excited for because when I first recorded this show, I had no idea that the guest today would end up becoming not only one of my best friends, but one of the people that I look up most to in business, in entrepreneurship, and leadership, in fathership, even though I don't have children, and as well as in friendship he's an amazing human being who runs a company called SEO Nation National excuse me and he is a great friend by the name of Damon Burton if you don't know Damon Damon is one of those guys that would literally give you the shirt off his back and as we go into this conversation we're going to talk about what it means to face the truths of painful family environments to go against the grain of what people say that you should and should not do, and most importantly, what it means to be able to live life on your terms, knowing that you have to make incredibly hard decisions when it comes to the people in your life. Now, that said, you know, we're all faced with making difficult decisions, whether it's Damon building SEO National or writing his first book, or some of the family interactions that he goes into during this episode. Some of the things that we have to do as well is take a hard look at our community, our friendships, our relationships, and make a decision about whether or not we want to continue to not only have these people in our lives, but to make sure that they are the right people to begin with. I'm very excited about this episode and to bring on one of my great friends to the podcast once again. And without further ado, my friends, here's my friend, Damon Burton. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world. Super excited to be here with you today with my friend Damon Burton. Damon, how are you, my man? What is going on?
2: What's up, Mike? I am good. Thanks for letting me chat. And I feel like we've been on uh, well, like a three-week bromance whirlwind. Yeah, like <laughs> totally
0: down in the basement playing karate. <laughs> um, I'm excited to have you on, man. You know, I think. First off, to to the unbroken nation, to our listeners today, we're gonna we're gonna have a conversation today. So it'll be a little bit different than you know a lot of the episodes you listen to because I I connected with Damon a couple of weeks ago, three four weeks ago at this point, and I think on the occasion you come across people in the world and you're like, oh, I I connect with that human being in this really w- real way, and I knew that we'd have a tremendous amount of value to bring to this audience by having you on. So. I'm really excited to have you here, bromance or not. I think that's <laughs> an opportunity for for people to to understand just how important it is like saying hello can be and creating a, a change in your life. So I reached out to a friend who reached out to you and said, Hey, you guys should connect and and here we are. Um, but before we get into kind of that and dive a little bit deeper, tell everybody a little bit about you so we can have some context here.
2: Yeah. So the the usual background is, you know. Married 15 years, father of three, got two boys and a daughter, um, founded an SEO agency in 2007. So we're about 14 years into um, digital marketing. You got a team of three dozen, um, half are in the States, half are in the Philippines, you know, built a seven-figure agency, without spending a dollar on ads. So that's like usually the the spiel. But, um, you know, I think where you and I connected is about how you take things from the past and turn those into positive things. So yeah, I like these conversations more than as we kind of touched touched on before the recording like just those real conversations instead of getting into the bulleted list. so i think there's a lot of ground we can cover and i think uh it'll be cool to see where we go
0: yeah i agree you know what's funny man is i was i was thinking about this so i went and saw that new anthony bourdain documentary roadrunner Mm. uh and and i loved him when i was a kid and still to this day do and I, i like i recognize that some people are just meant to carve their own path in life I think that's the majority. I think that's everyone should go and carve their own path in life. But specifically, people have the ability to, I think it's different now than ever. Because if you rewind 200, 300 years ago, everyone had a trade. Everyone had a a thing that they did that was about something that brought them at least to some extent, some kind of joy, whether you were putting, you know, horseshoes on horses or running a bar or, you know, whatever that thing was. And and then you kind of find these subcultures of that in the world today where whether it's like being a chef or being an SEO guy or being a coach or whatever, we still kind of have that, but we have this huge majority of people who are still like, for lack of a better term, slaves to to the conglomerate who are mm-hmm. terrified of the idea that they could step in and make their dreams come true. And so I'm watching mm-hmm. this documentary last night and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, this is a a person and Anthony who like yourself and me was like, you know, I'm just going to go and see what happens. I'm just going to, I'm going to test it. I'm going to do that thing while recognizing now, obviously his trajectory ended a lot differently than I hope that it does for either of us. But you know, when you take that into consideration, I I think entrepreneurship is like really the key to discovering who you are. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I was thinking about last night. Like is, is like learning who you are really about stepping into creating a, a career for what you're interested in. And so I was really interested about your thoughts and curious about what you think about that.
2: I, I don't think it's necessarily the career, but I think you hit it on saying where you got to test things. Right. And so that's kind of been the whole thing where I, I, that's contributed to where I'm at in a career. So I guess we kind of, you know, I'll answer it that way, just because I think that's the most immediately yeah. obvious. And then we can kind of take a step back and look at it outside of a career. So for me, like I always felt comfortable with the unknown and that's, and, and what I tell other people is like date your jobs, date your careers, date your, date your anything until you figure out what thing you want to marry. So like in my case, it was like, okay, I was, um, you know, going through college. I was, grew up lower middle class, um, trying to just figure out on my own what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And so I was only one semester away from graduating with a degree when I, when I stopped going. And so for me, that was because I saw the opportunity in front of me with my, what I was at the time doing design. And so that led into me doing digital marketing, which led into me founding SEO national. And so throughout my career, every time I had a job, it was like, okay, I like, and I don't like this in the job. And so then you would take from that and figure out, okay, what's the next opportunity that addresses the things I like and distances from the things that I don't like. And then to continue to evolve that process until in my case, I got to the career that I could marry. And so a lot of that, just like you said, has to do with testing. And so whether it's your career, your relationships, I mean, even, even my relationships, like my wife knows these stories. Um, so I was dating six women right before that sounds so bad to say that I was dating six women before I met my wife, but it wasn't like I was out slutting around. Like it was, it was, me, me, going. Okay, what do I like? Not like in relationships. It wasn't like I was sleeping with all these women or anything. But it was like there was one person that I enjoyed for this type of company, and one person I enjoyed for this type of company. And I was very transparent with all of them. And I think that's a huge part of what what's made me happy in life in all capacities is just transparency. Like I don't have anything to hide. My wife knows all my stories. My team knows all my stories. And so when when I met my wife within probably the first week, I told all the other women like. Hey, let's, you know, let's stop this dating thing. And, and so then I just went all in on my wife. And so the, the way I was able to make that competent decision with her and with my career is because I had went through the process of elimination of all the other things of, of what I liked and didn't like. And so I think there's a lot to be said for the value of delayed gratification and giving yourself the freedom to test whatever you need to test to make that decision in, in, you know, whatever vertical in your space you're talking about
0: yeah and i agree and there's you know it's funny because i i can relate to so much of this idea of just trying things trying things trying things um most people don't know this but i've had probably like 15 different careers right from from sales to marketing to i used to work at a wendy's to you know working on an assembly line to selling drugs to um you know being the vp of an international company to you know running think unbroken And, and it was like, you know, in retrospect of what you're saying, getting to where I am today in my life has been just this accumulation of skills, right? Mm -hmm. Trying things, learning things, adapting and adopting these skills. But I think people get so caught up in this journey that they, they want it now. They want it today. They, they want it yesterday. I was watching this comedy special. I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could, but he's like, you know, the next thing that they're going to invent is Amazon right now. (laughs) And and I was like, that's so true because we lack patience in our life. And I think whether you're on a healing journey or in entrepreneurship or, you know, friendships or anything, especially like dating and relationships, there is such a huge space for, for patience. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of one of my favorite words. What's it been like for you? And you kind of touched base on this too. Why is that so pivotal in your life?
2: I think it lets you make the right decisions. It's, it's that delayed gratification. I've always been okay with not having the immediate answer. I don't want the immediate answer. I want the right answer. And, and that's kind of been through, through my whole life. And I realize the, the older I get, I realize that that's not the norm, you know, it's not as, as common amongst my peers. And I think that's just, It's so simple, but it's one of the biggest differentiators in in where you can be in life is giving yourself the freedom to have delayed gratification. Um, you know, like an example of what I'm going through like right now is so, you know, I've always had like, before I got into entrepreneurism, I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I felt comfortable in not rushing into finding like whatever it was. And so I dated my careers, found SEO, found some success in that. And so I did like the hustle and grind thing before I had kids because I wanted to establish that foundation of freedom by the time I did have kids. Then I've enjoyed that for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, but now it's like, I'm go, I feel like I'm going through this, this next chapter. I don't know what the chapter is yet, but it's like, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I, am not a morning person, but I sort of, I, I woke up early in, in the mornings because for me, it was like, okay, when can I get in the extra hours in the day and the choices are late nights or early mornings. But my kids sometimes will be up late. They will never be up at 5 a.m. though. So for me, process elimination, okay, 5 a.m. is the right decision. But now I'm getting tired of waking up at 5 a.m., but I still have the mental drive of wanting to do the hustle and grind thing. But I also realize that I need to find something new for me. And so now I'm like, okay, do I do what sleep schedules? Do I do late nights after the kids go to bed? Do I still do mornings, but I find a more motivational routine. And this is something I've been trying to figure out just kind of like the last couple months and, and I'm not rushing myself into finding the right, I'm not rushing myself to finding a answer. I'm giving myself the time and patience to find the right answer by testing all these things and process elimination and figure out like what's right for me. And so I think that's what important is for everybody is like the, the, the guru that says do this, it may not be that black and white for you. Like fill it out, give yourself the freedom to test. Don't look for the right, a- don't look for the quick answer. Look for the right answer.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you said that. And I, I, I will frequently post this, uh, Twitter post I made and it's like, you know, you can listen to all the people in the world, but ultimately you have to choose what's right for you. Cause it's going to be different mm-hmm. because you know, your, your, I get up at 5. AM and your 5. AM is going to look different than mine. Right. And you can try and do all the things, but ultimately I think it's really about like trusting your gut and your intuition and, and that can be. I think arguably one of the most difficult things in anything that you do is trusting yourself. And, and I mm-hmm. think for me, I've come to the place of being able to do that from just taking in so much data about who I am that now I can trust because I've made sizably every mistake that you can make in life. Um, and that's not to say I won't make more cause I, I fully intend on it. Um, I think that's the only way that you can create change is you have to be willing to fail and mess up and, mm-hmm. and pull data. And so as you're in this and and looking at the trajectory of, of your life, and I have a little bit closer of an understanding because of some of our conversations than anyone listening. But, you know, you are a person who by all likelihood should have failed. Like, that's just the nature of it. Right. From the community, from, you know, different aspects of family to, you know, going out on your own as an entrepreneur. Right. There is just failure, failure, failure laden in, in the prospect of what could happen in your life. Now, obviously that's not what has happened in your life, but you know, people often are so scared of the idea that what they come from is what dictates like that they are paralyzed. Like they won't even take the step into trying to see what happens. Why is it and, and look, let me be clear because I, I want I don't want to misconstrue this. Success, I believe, is self-defined it's going to be different for everybody. And ideally it would be. But looking out from the outside, looking in, measuring your life, I go, okay, you've had so many successes in your life, but there must have been tremendous failures. So what has that journey been like for you to kind of have the juxtaposition of looking at, all right, life kind of set me up for this, but this is the direction I'm going anyway, because this is what I choose to do.
2: Well, apologies to get jets flying over if there was loud background noise. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because you say in that, um, kind of hit in a different way that I haven't really thought about before, because you're right on paper, there, there should have been a lot of opportunity for failure with, um, you know, a semi-broken childhood, uh, growing up with an alcoholic stepfather, parents, divorce, knows too. but, you know, until, until people say that, I don't even think about it. Um, and I think that Obviously a big part of that's mindset and some of it I don't want to say is, is a lot, I don't think anything that I've accomplished is luck, but I think there's a little bit of luck that I was born with the mindset of, I don't know, it's just like kind of always been the way I am. And I don't, I haven't really realized that until as an adult and in the last 10 years or so that that's kind of, it's honestly something I don't know how to answer in some capacities because I can't wrap my head around the other side of, of things. Like, why wouldn't you trust yourself? Why wouldn't you want to do big things? And and I understand that that's the majority of, of society and that's okay. And I've become more sympathetic to it over time, but I would, I would come at it from a different perspective and be like, why would that, why would I let that define me? Why, why would I let those limitations that are for me, it's always been like, okay, if I'm at point A and I need to get to point D, I just reverse engineer B and C. And then I just go. Like, I've never anybody asked me, like, what's next? Or what are your biggest gaps? Or what are your this or what are that? And it's, I can never answer it because anytime I have a problem, I go, how do I solve it? Anytime I want to get somewhere, I go, what's in my way? And so it's, it's, um, I don't know, it's a unique position to be in to, to be in because you're right. Um, I, I've been married 15 years, first marriage, no divorce prior to this. Um, SEO National is my first business. Um, I've, I've owned, and sold other ones and, um, invested in others. But SEO national is the first one that I started and I'm still in it almost 15 years later. And I think all that goes back to what we were touching on earlier is like, I'm not in this to find the fast decisions. I'm in this to make the right decisions. You know, even when I started the business, there was a lot of methodical calculations. And so like the short story of when I started the business was, um, I had my day job taken up 80% of the time, but only paying 50% of the income. The other 50% was on my side hustle. And so I said, well, you know, that's a lot of time being consumed for not as equal of a reward. And if I were to cut out that 50% of my income, that would save 80% of my time. Would that lose, would that suck to lose that income? Absolutely. But I only have a mortgage and a car payment. My wife don't have kids yet. And it's life's not going to get any easier as I get older especially when we have kids and we take on more responsibility. So seems like as calculated as risk as I can take. And so I've always been very methodical about like the pros and cons and what is the long-term answer instead of the easy answer now.
0: Yeah, I I really love that. And, um, I've had the fortune of being able to be mentored by Tom Bilyeu. Um, if you know, Tom Mm -hmm. is founder of quest nutrition, bazillionaire guy, and this he's an incredible human being. And And one of the things that he's really like what blasted into my brain that carries with me all the time is exactly what you said, this idea of reverse engineering. And he said to me one time, he goes, if you can turn a problem into a mathematical equation, you can solve every problem on planet earth. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm so fascinated by that because it just hits home. And I will say this, like, I agree with you entirely. If you can figure out where you want to go and you understand where you're at right now, the rest is just a series of trial and error, right? you have a hypothesis about what you believe you're capable of, and then you just kind of have to go through it. When, when you think about this process, because I I know certainly there's been failure in this for you, mistakes, things you go, Oh man, I, I don't know. I didn't see that coming. How do you handle that? How do you process that as
2: someone who's willing to see what's on the other side of their dreams? Um. You know, I get asked that in interviews it was fairly regularly about what were the failures. And, and, um, I can't say I've ever had any. And it's not to say that I haven't had any it, 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 in retrospect. It's probably that I haven't addressed them as failures for me. It's like, Oh, well, now I need to pivot this way, or now I approach it this other way. I, I literally couldn't tell you a single failure, but I could probably look back and go. Well, I could have X, but I did things if I did things. Like one example is, you know, when when I was growing my team and it was probably, so I'm 14 years into this, this was probably about year five or six. And it was like, okay, we need to document, document processes because we want to scale better while retaining quality control. And so that ended up taking two to three hours every other day for a year to fully document all the processes in all the dynamic ways that. Our fulfillment could have gone. And so that sucked going through that. But now it was like the best thing ever because that was when we first had when we had like our first six figure a year retainer from just one client. And that's when um within the year after that, I doubled the team from five to ten or whatever it is. And so there's like moments like that where that that was probably a mistake and there was probably missed opportunities before that. But it didn't even cross my mind. It was just like, oh. Now is the time to do that. So for me, I've always been okay with learning as I go. And it's almost like phases. And so the the easiest one to quantify is is with the growth of the company. And so it's like, okay, the first year or two, it was awesome being self-employed. I was a solopreneur and that was it. Rad. Because then I can, you know, wake up whenever I want to wake up. I can have a beer at 10 o'clock in the morning if I want. I can stay up late. I can get up early, whatever I want to do. Right. And then after a year or so, it's like, okay, well. You exhaust that phase, the, the coolness and the sexiness, like whatever it is that entices you in that phase. So then for me, I go to the next phase and it's like, okay, well, why don't I bring on more team members so that they can take on some of the things that maybe I don't care to do as much anymore, or I can spend time doing more things that I do like to do. And so then I started bringing on team members. And so then it was like, this is cool. I got, I can share the responsibilities with other people. I can support other people. Um, and then you go through that phase. And then after that, it was like, well, why don't I go to the next level? And so that's when we go through documenting processes and scaling and then we go from however many people, you know, double it to 10 people. And then I did that for a couple of years. And then it's like, you go through the, like, I'm okay going through those phases because I've learned things and i become a better person. And then I can do the next phase more confidently. And I think, you know, with Amazon now and things like that, everyone wants to go from solo to billionaire. I don't, like, I don't, I, I will get there eventually, but I want to do it without sacrificing family time, without sacrificing relationships, without sacrificing you know, creating mental doubt and insecurities. And so I think there's a lot of value in giving yourself the freedom to go through the phases and learn the things you need to learn in that phase, become a better person, then apply it to the next phase.
0: Yeah, I, I love what you said. Um, and, and I wanted to dive into this because I'm really curious. When I talk about failures, I look at them as data points, right? Which is really about kind of the same thing that you mentioned, looking for pivots but there was a time in which failure, failure would just like corrupt everything around. It would bash my ego into a million pieces. I'd feel like I can't even get out of bed. Like a, those words, that, that negative self-taught thing would start to happen. I had to train my brain out of that. I had to become relentless and not allowing that to to come to pass. But what you said, which I want to touch on, which I'm fascinated by, and I'm super curious about is saying, even since you were a kid, you had this mindset about wanting to try to see what you could do. Where, where does that come from? Do you feel like that's like innately inherited in you? Like, where does that come from? Because I, you might be the only person I've ever heard say that in my life.
2: Yeah, there's definitely some, some aspect of it that I think I was born with. I mean, I even remember little, um, little things when I was younger, I was probably like nine or 10. And, uh, you know, my, my parents, like I said, were divorced. And so at the time um, it was Christmas and and my dad came over to pick us up for the weekend or whatever. And so both my mom and dad were there and, and I got a, a, a disc holder, a CD disc holder, right? Those sleeves. And it was like a cool one. It was like a hundred sleeves. And so um, I was putting all my CDs away. Cause I had like a few over here and a few over here and they were all just disorganized and so now I was putting them into this cool big one. And I get a couple of sleeves deep and, and my mom goes are you alphabetizing those and so like that's that's probably the first biggest moment where things started to stand out in my mind about how organized or methodical I was it isn't life in general and so yeah I think there's always there's just been a part of it that I was born with now I think when I realized that I was able to embrace it and amplify it but yeah I don't I don't think I can I I I will take 100 credit for where I'm at in life now because I've been intentional about all the decisions I made but I can't take hundred percent credit for having that mindset, the, the the little seed planted. It's just always been there in some capacity. But then I figured out how to, how to maximize it.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. And it's really fascinating, man. I wish that, that I could have an insight like that so young and, and maybe I do. And as we're having this conversation, I'm like, maybe what you had in mindset, I had on stubbornness. And and what I mean by that is just being vehemently stubborn has not only brought me a huge success in my life just in general, but huge, huge opportunities and things where it's like, you know, whether it's winning $10,000 from Grant Cardone or winning all these other speak offs or writing a number one best selling book or coaching or being a vice president of a multimillion dollar company in my early 30s or whatever it is. It's just stubbornness, man. So I think the same drive, I'm just going to recategorize what you've said to apply to myself is been, man, I don't, I don't want anybody to stop me because everyone <laughs> is always going to be in your way. Everyone's always going to tell you what you can't do. Everyone around you and you've had, I'm going to assume you've had those people in your life as well, where there are naysayers yeah. or there are people that say, who do you think you are? And I'm always like, well, I'm going to do whatever the I want. Watch watch. And the more that you deny me, the more I'm like, I'm going to prove myself right. It's funny because mm-hmm. people will leverage other people's opinions of them as a, as the fire that stoke, or you know, the coal that stokes the fire. But whereas I look at it and I just go like, well, that's great. You can have that opinion, but I'm going to go do my thing anyway. And that's, that's served me super, super well, but I'm, I'm saying this to a point. You said a word that I absolutely love. That is such a part of the nomenclature of who I think I am and believe I am. What I believe, think, I'm broken to be. What I think potential in life is, and that's intention.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I really don't think people understand that word, Damon. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that word and the role that it it plays in your life?
2: Yeah, every single decision I make is based around what is the intent in the short term and the longer. Literally every single thing um every decision big or small um it's become such so ingrained in the the day-to-day things they do that even i'm a little short on words on how to explain it because it just becomes part of your processes and i think you're right where other people don't understand it because we all know like like every anything we've talked about so far is nothing new you know it's nothing new that you should pursue delayed gratification. It's nothing new that you should wait for the right answer, not the quick answer. But until you hear it in the right way or from a person that you can resonate with, it just means something different. So I literally mean every single decision that I make is like, okay, how is this, is this the, uh, the better or worse decision period? Like just do one good decision at a time. And it's not like, and I think that goes back to reverse engineering things. It's not like, okay, I want to go from A to Z. So like, how do I get to Z? It's like, okay, what's the one right decision to get to B? And then you conquer B. And then it's like, what's the one right decision to get to C? And so, um, I don't know. That's, that's a super interesting question because, um, I don't have, I don't have the right answer because it's just, I've adopted it so much. And I think that's, that's good or bad. That's good for me, but that's bad for your audience. Cause I kind of give them the right answer. <laughs> I you know I I don't think there's a right
0: answer here but but maybe let me parlay with you here a little bit and see if we can't create something of value. Um I had zero intention in the way that I used to live my life other than make money, get laid, have nice cars, have nice clothes. And and that intention served me until it no longer did. And and what I mean by that is, you know, I found myself in my my early 20s being super successful in corporate America, living this lifestyle that homeless kids from like where I come from, dream of having, like I I thought, Damon, I was living that American dream. I thought I was doing that thing that everybody wanted to do. But I lacked this really foundational level of fulfillment because the checks would come in and I would look at them in my bank and I'd go, okay. And then I'd go spend all the money because I was like, oh, maybe this is how you get fulfillment. You go out here and you acquire things. Right. Cause the only, the only education I had growing up really was, was education from the street. And I was like, all right, let me get a cool car. Let me get awesome clothes. Let me put myself in this position in which I can do anything I want at any time I want financially. And then I'd go do stupid shit, like spending $3,000 a night in Las Vegas and $800 dinners all the time. And I'd had, you know, all these expensive clothes and shoes and I was miserable otherwise. 350 pounds, smoking two packs cigarettes a day. The the audience they've heard the story, but the thing that I want to I'm touching into here, and what I'm curious about is this idea of fulfillment and intention. Because I believe that when you lead your life with intention, you can step closer to fulfillment, recognizing and understanding what you're actually capable of, thus kind of creating the life that you want to have. How how close to on base do you feel like that is in your own life?
2: I think, I think what the answer is, is that like, so you did all those things because that was the world that you knew, right? And so where you became, where you, when you reached peak satisfaction and then it started to decline, you didn't pull out of that. You didn't get out of that valley until you realized the world was bigger than what you had historically, the picture you had been painted, right? And so I think for me, a big part of that intention is like, I don't look at the boundaries. I don't like, like I told you earlier, like it hit a little different when you were talking about by, by all, by all means, there should have been a lot of failure in my life that I would set up for. Like, I don't look at those things. They don't cross my mind. And I think other people are too concerned about what are the boundaries or what is the norm? Like I don't, the norm doesn't even cross my mind. What, whatever the problem is in my life. I go, what are all the possibilities? I don't, I don't go, how do other people solve this? Or what are, what are the immediate options in front of me? I go, what are the right options, whether they're in front of me or not? And so for me, it's always been like, you know, if we talk about the, the opportunities that I was set up for failure based on childhood, or even like, I mean, I can think about a lot of things. So like all the things that I've gone through that, that weren't ideal in my life, I've now used as a positive. So like with, With my childhood, it was like, okay, well, I don't want this for my future family. I don't want instability. I don't want an alcoholic environment. I don't want, um, I don't want to move all the time. I used to move like two or three times in the, in the greater years, I'd move as many two or three times a year, but at the very least, it seemed like it was once every year or two, all the way up until I was like a senior in high school and then, um, You know, I had like really messed up teeth. And so my, my parents couldn't afford braces. So I had to pay for braces myself as like a junior in high school. And then they couldn't afford anything. And so I paid for college myself one semester at a time, like all those things, like other people look back and say, oh, my life sucks. But those were learning opportunities for me to go. That's not what I want to repeat in the future. And so I took that and we've now lived in our, like our, our current home is a perfect example, right? So when we bought our house, we bought this big six foot, six foot, six bedroom, four bath home. When we first moved in, it was just me and my wife and our 11 month old son. And that was it. Of course, we don't need a six bedroom house with, with just the three of us, but I never wanted to move again. I didn't want my kids to have to go through the things that I went through where we were moving all the time. It didn't have roots and always had to abandon your friends. And so here we are 10 years later, every room filled out now between my three kids and house and the guest room and the office that I'm in right now. We we don't have any leftover space anymore and the house served its purpose. And now my kids don't ever have to move. And I don't have to like that, that hits on a couple things like the intention and your decisions and the long-term goal and delayed gratification. So it's like that. And then, you know, maybe one other example is with, um, one of the last gentlemen that I worked for before I started my business, super successful. He was doing maybe 2 million a month. Um, and it was just me. I was the only full-time employee and he had a part-time secretary and he just treated us like shit, right? And it wasn't even about the money. The, the compensation wasn't there, but it, it wasn't even about that. It was just how he approached the relationship and he wasn't grateful for the, the greater contributions that everyone was giving. And I remember one night, um, you know, I talk a lot about managing remote teams and work-life balance and things like that. And one very clear moment was I was at dinner um, when I was working for this gentleman. I was at dinner with my wife before we had kids. It was like Friday night. And, um, this was before smartphones, but some of you, some of us might remember like T-Mobile had this little sidekick. It was like a semi-smartphone, had this little flip screen and you could connect email to it. And so my boss was hitting me up like seven o'clock on a Friday night, long after work hours on the weekend. And I can't remember what sequence between phone, email and text, but he went from one to the other to the other. And at that moment I said, this is ridiculous. It's after hours. And it was, it wasn't even anything by the time I, I answered. Wasn't even anything that was important. I could have waited till Monday. And so at that moment I deleted email from my phone. And so gosh, that was like 16, 17 years ago. And I have never put email back on my phone since then. I don't have email on my phone. I don't have a on my phone. I don't give clients my cell phone number or office line shut off at five. And so I was able to take that problem and use it as a positive, but not only for myself, but now I apply that uh, that appreciation and sense of privacy for all my team members too. I don't ask for their cell phone. I don't blow them up on the weekends. I don't I, like. I don't even care what hours they work, as so long as they're getting their work done. Because I realize people are people and they have a life outside of work. So anything that I've gone through in the past that might be annoying to—I mean, it doesn't even have to be detrimental, but just freaking stupid—I um, think I've just turned into turned into a positive and And that's how it is. Every moment, it's like, okay, what can I take from this to make make this circumstance better next time.
0: Yeah, I, I love that so much. And not only that, but make it better for the people around you as well, right? By taking those things that you experienced them and, and, and leveraging that against building your teams. And, you know, I, I love what you just said about taking the email off your phone. I'm sitting here, so here's my thing. I have no notifications on my phone. Somebody calls me, texts me, whatever, it, nothing happens, right? But I do have email on my phone and now I'm thinking about taking it off. And I never contemplated that until this moment. And I'm wondering how that'll impact my productivity. I'm super curious. I'm actually gonna test it starting like right now. I I believe that when you hear something, like put it into practice now immediately. See what happens. So mm-hmm. um, I love that. I love that idea. And and the same for you. I I think about the way that um, you know, working in these different industries, especially like whether I'm in the service industry or you know, working at a Chili's, working at a Longhorn Steakhouse, working at you know, Wendy's working at um, factories. I worked on assembly line, putting CPUs and motherboards at a very, very big um, warehouse and all these places, people treated me terribly. Mm-hmm. And that has been one of the things that I've pulled over into my life as an entrepreneur, not only in having the teams here, I think Unbroken, broken, but the other businesses as well. And always, always, always trying to put my team first and taking care of them. And so it's funny because that actually ties into my values and one of them being kindness, one of them being leadership, one of them being self-actualization and honesty, because I'm always thinking about the scope of um, the ripple effect of everything that we do. Like a pebble can create an avalanche, and I'm always thinking about that. That avalanche can be a good avalanche or it could be a bad avalanche, but ultimately you're going to create something with every action that you take in your life when, when you think about your life going forward and, and not necessarily only just from the entrepreneurial standpoint, but like, what's the ripple that you want to create?
2: I, I think about that a lot and, um, I don't, I don't know yet, but I, but I'm okay with that. And so, um, I don't want to force myself to figure out what my legacy is going to be. Um, but it's just like, it's just like when I became an entrepreneur, I never knew what I, I had, a, I had a strong, a high level of confidence that I would do something on my own, but I didn't know what that was. And so I was okay going through the motions until it revealed itself. And it's kind of like the same thing with my legacy. Like, um, you know, the obvious one is to be a good husband and a good father. And I'm pretty confident I got that locked in. But it's, it's, you know, my impact on the world is, is like, before I became an entrepreneur, I don't know what my entrepreneurial journey will be, but I know it'll be something unique. And it's the same thing with my impact on the world. I don't know what it is just yet. There's a lot of little things that I've done. Um, you know, I can give you an example of uh, kind of like a special moment that was a couple of years ago. So a couple of years ago, I made this, um, y- wh- when you get to a certain point kind of success, like you wanna give back, right? And so, when I don't have a go-to way, I don't have a go-to charity that I donate to. I don't have a go-to thing that I go provide my time for. And so for me, it's more intimate. It's like, I kind of figure out what I feel like can make a direct impact. And so a while back I was, I was, had this big desire, like, okay, what's something big that I can do that can help a lot of people. And I didn't want to force myself to just pick a, a random charity. And so what I did is I kind of sat on it for a while and I started going through my head, like process of elimination, what are things I want to do and don't want to do Where can I impact, where do, where do I not feel as personally drawn to, to make an impact. And so what I ended up coming, coming to is when I grew up, I would get the, the, the free lunches through school because we were low income. And so then I started thinking about, okay, well, how do I help those students, those kids that are in a similar situation that I can relate to. And so I had an assistant call all the, it's called the title one schools, So low income schools, all the low income schools in the county that I went to school that I grew up in. And, um said, you know, what are, what's the quantity of past due lunch balances at your school and and she tallied this all up into a spreadsheet and there ended up being about a dozen schools and, and the total was around two grand. So I just called the counting and I said, Hey, I want to give you a check for two grand to cover all the school lunches. So they ended up covering that and then it, it ended up getting national attention it was all over in the news and, but that experience for me is like coming, coming full circle to your question is like, that felt right, right for me. And, and that wasn't the quickest answer, but it was the right answer for me. And it took me, I I sat on that idea for like a year. And so I don't know what my ripple effect on the world is going to be yet, but I'm okay waiting until I find out what the right thing is. I love that. And, and I'm right there with you. Like I, I've projected into the world
0: because I do believe in visualization as this incredible tool for creating momentum in your life. And so, you know, my goal is to help 250 million people heal through trauma, but also end generational trauma in my lifetime. And I recognize that's impractical, improbable, far-fetched, all of the above. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't go for it either way. And in that, you know, there are there are peaks and valleys to it, but there are also people throwing stones. And I think about that every single day. And I'm curious when you did this, and, and first off, I applaud you for for, for making that effort to, to cover the school lunches, that's really beautiful. It's actually something I've been thinking about over the course of the last couple of years as well, because I grew up and sometimes we just had to steal food from the cafeteria. Like you, they'd give us these little blue cards and you have to go get it stamped. And sometimes I'd like lose it or wash it or forget it or whatever. And so then they'd be like, you don't have a card. We're not even going to feed you. Like what a crazy yeah. way to treat children. And, um, and, and part of one of the initiatives I want to move towards in the future is exactly what you've done. I'm going to have to assume that some people threw rocks at you for doing right
2: there. It was, I think, unfortunately, that's the bigger part of the memory from that experience. Yeah. Was, um, you know, two things stood out was, um, and this is really interesting because, you know, nobody's asked me this before, uh, but it's what stands out so much. So two things stand out on the positive side, the, the unexpected benefit beyond the obvious of helping those families is that it was cool to see the way that that inspired other people to do other inspiring things like i would get messages saying that really made me think outside of the box and now i'm realizing that i don't have to just do charity you No, know, there's nothing wrong with charities but people were just stuck in that mindset of how do i help people donate money how do i help people donate money and then somebody else it just made them go oh i can think of other ways um but i think the bigger part that stood out for me personally that, that i don't really talk about is um was, was the naysayers. I mean, two really stand out. One was, I would see in some of the threads on like Facebook and wherever. And, and because it caught national attention, like all these, um, news outlets would publish it on, on their Facebook. And anytime they would like tag me or something, I'd get a notification. I just kind of cruised through the comments. And there was one guy that said, there was a lot of people that said a bunch of stupid shit, but there was one guy that, that I more or less remember what he said. And he said, oh, so $2,000 is the price of sainthood. And so for him, it was like, okay, it doesn't matter. The Damon helped people. He's now getting glorification just because he wrote a $2,000 check. Right. And it's like, why does that even matter? Whether it was a dollar or a million dollars or anything like, why would you, why would you have anything negative to say about something that was only positively benefited other people? Like there is zero situation, zero scenarios in that donation that had any negative impact on anybody. So that was one, but the bigger, the bigger one that still stands out is like my, my mom, you and I have talked about briefly, um, our backgrounds before this, like I haven't talked to my mom in years and, and it wasn't because of this, but this was probably one of the stepping stones that led to the deterioration of that relationship is my mom was pissed off that I made that donation. She was mad that that money didn't go to to her. She was mad that that money didn't go towards like my siblings, which is nonsense because I was helping them out all the time. I'd help them pay rent all the time. I'd help them with their gas money all the time. I'd help cover Christmas all the time. And I just can't wrap my head around that negativity. And I think what made me more upset is that she's taught my siblings that mindset. Not all of them, you know, and, and some, I'm the oldest of seven, some of them as they get older growing out of it, but just the thought that even siblings could come at me, that was taught from my mom. And and so just that whole situation was, yeah, I think the negativity of, of such a beautiful opportunity is unfortunately my biggest, my bigger memory of it. Yeah.
0: but And that, and that's hard, man. I, I got so much sympathy and empathy for you in that because it's, that's difficult. And- and as everyone knows, you know, I, I stopped talking to my mother when I was 18 and it, it was a decision that, that had to be made. Um, let me ask you this, because I'm really curious. Despite those naysayers, would that stop you from doing it again?
2: Oh, no. No one even crossed my mind.
0: Yeah. I, I want people to understand that because this is really important and pivotal. And this is what I'm trying to convey to people all the time. Unbroken Nation, guys, you got to take this with you. There are always going to be naysayers. There are always going to be people in your way. There's always going to, and sometimes it's your mom and I'm sorry, but that's the nature. That's the truth of life. But you can't let those things stop you from making the impact and change that you want to have on the world. Because the second that you do, you're going to be lying in bed and going, well, who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? And worse, you might die with regret. There's always going to be somebody in your way. That's the nature of the world. I'm sorry. I wish it were different. I wish we could all support each other. But there's always going to be someone no matter you could have given Damon, you could have given a dollar or 10 million. Somebody still would have come out the woodwork. Who do you think mm-hmm. you want? But that's not going to stop you from doing it again. And I appreciate that. I love that. I applaud it. I think it's a really beautiful way to think about the, about the world and life. Um, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody where they can find you?
2: Yeah, well, um, we haven't talked any business. So anything I point you to is going to be business related. <laughs> Um, you know, I talk, uh, probably LinkedIn and, uh, com. I share some of the, like on, on my blog, I share more of like the, the one-on-one stories and ups and downs of entrepreneurs and things like that. Um, I'm pretty transparent on my Facebook as well. Uh, so I, I guess if you want to, even though we haven't talked shop much, LinkedIn is probably more of what I do as an entrepreneur. Facebook, I share some more personal stories and then damonburton.com
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that there's some entrepreneurs here. Um, you also have a book, which I have read called Outrank. Um, it's actually sitting right next to me. I dove into it last week. Thank you for that amazing gift. I loved it. Um, yeah. and so guys go support Damon. You can check out out rank. Um, my last question for you, my friend is what does it mean to you to be unbroken?
2: Uh, I think your, your last comment probably nailed It's just to not let other people get in your way. Um, I think that's part of the, the lucky side I've been blessed with one way or another is, um, to you know, as a kid push through those things that you don't realize, not to say that they're smaller things, but you realize those are what plants the seed for what you are as an adult. So I was fortunate to make a little headwind, um, uh, you know, make a little ground on that when I was younger. But then as the older I get, it's like, you you have to make more intentional decisions to accept the crap that comes with the positive impact you're trying to make. Um, So I think it's largely what we've, we've talked about today is that you want to do big things and then reverse engineer what's in your way and don't pay attention to any of the noise that comes with it because it's going to come with it. Amazing. And well said, my friend, Unbroken Nation, thank you guys so much
0: for listening, for watching, for being a part of this. As usual, please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend, leave a review. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya.